Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. Post-game edition here after the Raiders went to Jacksonville, and they got off to a 17-0 lead. And can we just stop the podcast there? We They, they were up 17-0. Devontae Adams had a 146 yards, two touchdowns. Everything was great, right? And there's there's really nothing else to talk about. The offense looked, looked phenomenal, and... Uh, and that, that's all that happened, right? Nothing happened after that that seventeen nothing lead. Yeah, no, especially not against the Jaguars. They, they handled business. Nah, you know I mean? it's a terrible team. How would they ever come back? What could go wrong? They lost. The place was totally dead too. The fans were like, "Oh man, we suck." It was like half empty. I was like, "Some rain was coming pretty soon, and some clouds are getting a little dark." And people were like, "What oh, the, the hell are we doing here, man?" But the Raiders' defense will always give you new life, and then the Raiders' offense uh, disappeared, and so here we are. A uh, third blown lead of 17 points on the year, two and six. And it's time to talk about the draft. This podcast is an expert at talking about leads blown of 17 points or more. The, the Raiders, in their history, have only lost eight games ever in which they've led by 17 or more points. Josh McDaniels has been the head coach for three of those. Josh McDaniels has been the head coach for eight games. You know, I mean, I, I almost don't count the 17 nothing lead against the Chiefs just because it, it is the Chiefs. But you've blown it against the Cardinals and the Jaguars. Um, you know, Vic, as you wrote, Mark Davis has to be wondering if he was sold a bill of goods by this new regime. It's tough because he definitely, you know, I'm sure he wants to, you know, have some patience and wants to try to understand what's going on. But, you know, our playoff team last year. And again, it's different teams, different all things changes, but still a lot of talents back. You still got Max Crosby back, Derek Carr. You're bringing Devontae Adams. You pay a lot of money for Chandler Jones, and you're thinking, okay, we're going to be good. Well, I mean, and you're clearly not good. You clearly um, are struggling. And I'm sure he watches these press conferences with the coach and Derek Carr and Devontae Adams today, and you can sense not only the frustration, but also kind of the, they don't know they don't know what the hell's going on. They can't really explain. Why they are sitting here at two and six, and that's not what you want to hear for the owner of a team who gave you know, these guys the kind of the keys to the car and they have talent, and here they are, kind of bottoming, you know, bottoming out. So uh, it's clearly um, not a good time for uh, for any of them, especially for for Mark Davis. Yeah, it's one of the 
most weirdly bad teams I've ever seen. Because like to blow those leads, you have to be able to build those leads. Obviously, and you would think that if a team is capable of building three three score leads in eight games, eh, they might they might be all right. You know what I mean? At least average. And this team sucks. And this is like the weirdest thing ever. It's like they just a flip switch. Uh, a switch flips when they when they go up three scores and then it's like and and I know you know we all point to the defense obviously you know they they gave up four consecutive scores to the Jaguars but the offense also just went from dominant to doing nothing at all like they just looked incompetent they couldn't score they got shut out in the second half um, and it's they're not a team that's bereft of talent you know what I mean it's not like this is collection of a bunch of bums or something like that I think that's what what Devontae Adams said today that's part of the frustration for him is you know they have a talented roster. Uh, more, more talented than having two wins. And so I think it's hard to point at anything else, you know, but coaching when, when it comes to this happening consistently, you know, because apparently you're not making adjustments. You, you can't figure out what's wrong. You, you can't solve it. And especially coming off of last week, the way they got embarrassed against the Saints, like you would think the last thing that they would do is, is relax, you know, against anybody, you know, whether it's the Jaguars or a good team that they were playing this week. And it, it looks like they, they kind of just eased up. I mean, they got up, you know, you see guys, you know, kind of, you didn't see that urgency anymore once they went ahead. And, you know, that's, that's pretty damning, especially considering, you know, that they, they have a bad record. They're off to a bad start. They're, they're way behind in the playoff hunt. And um, it seems like the players are getting frustrated if they aren't, weren't already. And they're, they're starting to let it seep out a little bit to us um, in terms of being the media members. And so it doesn't look like it's heading to a good place. I mean, I, I think we both agree, me and Vic, that the, the season is over. I think we both wrote that today. And this can't be where Mark Davis expected things to be eight games in. I know there was some criticism of the uh, play calling in the second half by Devontae Adams talking about they wanted to establish a run in, in the second half. But when you look at the numbers, they actually ran the ball one more time than they did in the second half in, in the first half. And they actually had some success running in the second half. And there were just a lot of incomplete passes. I mean, there were two drop passes by Devontae Adams himself. But I think when you look at this team... You know, you're looking at an offense that's really good when they are executing the, the initial script, the initial, you know, coaches like to put together like a script of 15, 20 plays that they, they like to run in the beginning of the game. And it's usually pretty creative because, you know, you're able to sit down and, and go to a bunch of different places with your play calls. But after the script, I mean, they, you know, they are struggling to be able to catch any sort of rhythm. And we've seen that, you know, multiple times this season. So uh, that that's a real problem. I, I don't know how th- they're going to be able to fix that problem. I think you also see that the pressure definitely affects Derek Carr. I think some of the throws today in the second half especially, he didn't make good throws because he was kind of rushing him or was, he himself said he was running out of the pocket and just some ball, some ball sailed on him when he tried to kind of get a play done quickly. So I think um, we knew the offensive line was going to be an issue and it overachieved early on. But the last two weeks, I think you can sense – his growing uh, discomfort and um, lack of confidence in the O-line as far as giving him time to do what he wants to do back there, I think that's going to be an issue going forward because, you know, we, as we know with Derek over the years, he's at his best when he's totally comfortable and has time to process things and, and, and pick guys apart. And I think if he's if he's kind of a little jittery at times, then he definitely doesn't throw as well, which I'm sure is true of most quarterbacks. But it seems like for him especially, it gets his head a little bit. And I think uh, that was the case today where – there are definitely throws he missed uh, for whatever reasons, the O-line or just, I mean, uh, the one Abdullah was a huge one. Um, it was just late to the first half. So I thought Derek didn't play very well, especially towards the end. And uh, there's, I'm sure, a lot of reasons for that, if it's the play calling or the O-line or, you know, Derek himself. But um, definitely that's also another factor, I thought, in what happened today. 
I mean, there's just this huge Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team. I mean, at one point, Derek Carr, I think, was you know, had a perfect passer rating in the in the first half. You know, he had thrown the two touchdowns to Devontae Adams. You know, the the one where the defender fell down, and you got got the the long touchdown to Devontae. I mean, and everything seemed to be going right. And then they just, I don't know if it's if it's a sense of urgency in the play calling in the team themselves. Derek kind of danced around. You could tell like he wanted to say more than he really did. He kind of wanted to maybe point a finger at something, but said he would do it internally. There are signs, like we've said, that there are issues within this team that they that they kind of know. You know, and he kind of referenced like, oh, you know, every year we bring in a new coaching staff and we, we have these new players. And, you know, we have to to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm always having to teach people to, you know, this is how we do things. And, you know, we, we got to keep the foot on the gas pedal kind of with a lead, that kind of stuff he, he's referencing. And you just wonder, like, what kind of message is McDaniels preaching to this team when they take these leads? Because when he talks to the media after the game, as they blow these huge leads, he's very calm. He's very nonchalant about it. He's not up there, you know, getting upset. And I mean, I, I don't know if that's, that's a purposeful thing that he wants to present this calm image. But if I was the coach of a team that has blown this many huge leads, like, I'd be freaking pissed when I talk after the game like and I I would not be able to so easily hide how upset I am and and I, I just wonder if like that lack of fire that he is showing you know publicly is kind of the, the lack of fire that he's presenting to the team and, and that's kind of preventing them from you know being able to, to keep kind of that that attitude throughout a game you know he, he said a few times this season you know he's, he's just not a yeller a screamer he doesn't think that helps right the ship and uh, I think he may have some some PTSD from his, his Broncos tenure with that because that was it was fire and brimstone over there from everything that we we heard and it didn't work <laughs> obviously uh, they they still lost anyway and so maybe he's trying his different approach now but it's time to get a little angry I, I mean you know you can only be if it's not working you got to switch something up you can't just keep beating your head against the wall and doing the same thing over and over and and when it comes to to Carr and kind of his demeanor and maybe you know if he has some issues was going on from a, from a coaching standpoint like I don't think. If it is, I don't think that's something that's exclusive to him. I think, you know, this is a team that we saw after what they did last year, after everything that they've been through making the playoffs. They want to pretty much run it back, you know, keep Rich Versace as his head coach and uh, Mike Mayock as GM and kind of just roll with what they had. And they were, you know, publicly advocating for that. And so if they had it that their way, you know, they, they would have had plenty of continuity coming into this year. It really wouldn't have been, you know, this this massive change on both sides of the ball and restructuring of the roster and things of that nature. They would have been able to just – sort of attempt to build off of what they were doing last year. That's probably, if you had, if you pull up the roster of guys that was coming back, it probably would have been their choice. And so he didn't, you know, especially Carr, he didn't want to have to go through adjusting to another play caller, another head coach, another system, another regime. He's done that probably just as much as anybody, you know, since he's been in the league. And can't really knock him for that, especially since, you know, they were a successful team last year. But, you know, they can't really change that now. You know, they, 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 you know, they are where they are. And kind of just puts them in a tough bind because, you know, once you, I'm not, I don't know, I don't know if I should say they've lost the locker room or anything like that, but once you kind of have that division or any sort of kind of disconnect going on and, and the on-field results have been what they are, it's really hard to bounce back from that within the season. And even moving forward in the years to come, that's something where typically somebody has to go. Usually it's, it's, there's no kumbaya moment where everybody comes around and you know, they're, they're good with the transition, either from a personnel standpoint or a coaching standpoint. There has to be some kind of change to get everybody on the same page. And so we'll see if that happens this offseason. But um, it seems to be trending towards that direction. 
Yeah, they haven't lost the locker room yet, but I think today, especially, we, we, we have a new phase now. We're kind of like they're questioning players are like, uh, what's what's going on? Like, I think all, especially this past week, you're in Sarasota, you're the team bonding. Everyone's like, okay, we can turn this around and we work hard. They had three really good practices. They worked in the, in the, in the heat and they thought they had, you know, turn, kind of turn the corner and want to get back on track. And obviously they lost in, you know, in a horrible fashion today. So I think there's definitely a question now of, all right, what, what's going on? Like, why, why are we having trouble? Which is not, not, that's the first phase, which is not good. So I think my fear early on with McDaniels was if he got off to a bad start, there are a lot of problems because one, like Deshaun mentioned, a lot of these players wanted the staff from last year back. So it's a lingering thing. We made the playoffs last year. We love Passaccia, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't he come back? And we, we can deal with that because you, you made a change. We're professionals. We'll deal with a new coach and I'm sure it'll work out. But now you're, you're two and six. And you're looking back on, you've had longer meetings every day, longer practices, been kind of a different, uh, stricter kind of uh, approach to things with the new regime. Players are worried about what they post on social media as far as who's watching. It's definitely a different attitude. So now you're at two and six. You're like, all right, for who, for what? We've been kind of, you know, killing ourselves and we're doing the right thing. But now we're kind of like, you know, we're not going to say our season's over, but they can see the writing on the wall that it's going to be almost impossible to, to bounce back from this and, and have a really good record and be able to try to fight for a playoff spot. So I think we're definitely at a, a new phase now where we're kind of questioning what's going on. And then after that, the next phase usually is not losing locker room, but kind of maybe losing some trust and kind of wondering if you guys made a mistake in, in bringing this guy, these guys in. So uh, definitely today is a, um, a bothersome next step in, in this journey for for this team. Yeah, I think there's definitely trouble on both sides as far as adapting to the coaches and, and this new system. I think you could clearly see Derek Carr being frustrated with, um, you know, receivers or people on the field that, you know, you see him yelling and kind of looking frustrated when he's on the field. I, I don't know, you know, you, you can't see really see who he's looking at from the TV angle. And then, you know, defensively, they're just making a ton of mistakes. It's kind of like, you know, we had that Paul Gunther worry uh, when Graham came in that is this defensive system going to be too complicated? And maybe it is too complicated. But, I mean, we've seen it, you know, we've seen Graham kind of have a little success at, at different places. Um, I don't know, just maybe from transitioning from Gus Bradley's really simple system to this new system where there's going to be a lot more into it as far as play calls and coverages and all that. Maybe it's too complicated for them to handle early on. So, and then when, you know, you compound that with them just not playing well, then, you know, they're going to be frustrated with the system, frustrated with their play. And, and right now it's just kind of coming to a head. Come on. Sidney Jones is going to solve everything. Well, we should have got it yesterday. He could have helped out today. It's a big picture, Vic. I, I know you, you wrote, among the people to report that uh, the Packers uh, before the uh, trade deadline last week offered the Raiders a second round pick for Darren Waller. We know they have been interested in Waller going all the way back to the Devontae Adams deal. They wanted him included in that deal. Raiders said no then. They said no last week. I mean, a second round pick for a guy who has barely played for you this season sounds pretty enticing. But as you wrote, Maybe the 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 turning down of that deal, and you know, there's some talk that maybe that was that was Josh, you know, Ziggler. Maybe he wanted to make the deal. Josh McDaniels said no. There's some thought there that maybe there there's a feeling from from Josh McDaniels that he needs to keep a guy like that in his roster because he might need to win some more games. To uh, you know, we didn't think a couple of weeks ago that one year of Josh McDaniels would lead to him being fired, but you know, if things go bad enough, if they're uh 
four and 13 team or anything like that, um, maybe that could happen. And, and so keeping a guy like Waller is, uh, is necessary to, to try to even get him a second year. Yeah, we, we got, you know, Dave Ziggler on Tuesday, and one of the things he's trying to, to tell us was, like, how they, they want to win this year, but they're obviously looking forward to next year. They got all, everything they do has to be looking forward. That's why maybe the salary cap wasn't spent as much as it could have been. They're trying to think big picture. So in that sense, you wonder if you're a 2-5 and five team thinking big picture, why wouldn't you trade a guy who's not playing for you for a second-round pick, a guy who – uh, I'm not sure. You know, like another thing did mention was you're trying to learn which guys are fits, who really fits in. And I mean, there's got to be questions about Darren Waller. I mean, I don't know that I can say it, but they got to wonder, you know, what the hell's going on. So I think um, it is definitely a weird thing to um, for them to kind of like, I'm not saying where it turned down, but they're in a weird spot because you're not really playing for this year anymore. I mean, they may have said they were, but they're not. So uh, at this point, if you are trying to get your own guys in next year and build your own, you know, system around your own uh, staff, the second round pick would be pretty valuable. So I think it's an interesting question. I don't know how bad it has to get this year for for Josh McDaniels to be in trouble, but I'm sure there's a number uh, where at some point it'll be you know it'll be too much for Mark Davis to handle. So ideally, we won't get to that point, but um, it's not heading a good direction. Definitely, only I mean. I don't know the culture. The culture not very good, so uh, maybe they can, you know, stop this kid next week. But uh, who knows? I think they want to keep that core three of Devonte Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller together, and actually they want to see yeah, that core see three. Them. They haven't I, even seen saying. That. Like they actually want to see them together and actually, you know, have them be part of the future. Uh, but also, if you do decide to go to or to the rookie quarterback route, if the record ends up being bad enough then you're going to have a rookie quarterback, you know, having to learn the system and having to go through a rookie growing pain with these weapons for, for a year. I mean, it, you know, it'd be beneficial to him, but it's going to be expensive. Yeah. I mean, so, but then again, you get, you know, best part of the uh, appeal of keep, you know, having a rookie quarterback is do you have that rookie quarterback contract, but maybe I'm uh, getting ahead of myself a little bit. Yeah. I think when it comes to McDaniels, I mean, uh, anytime you have two sit down, post-game meetings with an owner in the first seven games of your tenure, that's just not a great sign. And so it's just kind of hard to make moves geared towards the future when you're concerned about your present in terms of you being around for that future. And so, um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't know exactly how bad it would have to get, what number of games he would have to lose, just because it'd be such a a huge financial hit between, you know, the paying the settlement last year for John Gruden and, you know, the money that it took to hire this new regime and then compound that what it would take to fire them and then hire another one and so it's just it has it seems unlikely but i guess if it gets bad enough and then they lose the locker room and then things really go to shit it could be on the table yeah with the with the waller move i, I mean i guess the other part of that and the counter argument to the whole you know keep him because he helped you now thing is he's not playing <laughs> you know so this is his hamstring injury is he's kept him out again and, and those are tricky like if he doesn't get back on the field for the next couple of weeks by the time he does i mean what is, what are you helping you know so yeah, it's, it's a, they're in a weird in-between spot where it's like they made some all-in moves, but it's clearly ain't going to be a season where they're doing some all-in shit, like competing for championships. So um, they, they kind of have to start pivoting with their perspective, um, even though they have so many guys like a Derek Carr, Devontae, Chandler that are that are worried about the present. They probably also view uh, Darren Waller as a guy that's, you know, top. You know, there was a point where Darren Waller was seen as a top three uh, player at his position. So they probably think he's worth more than a second round pick. They probably, you know, maybe a first round pick would have swayed them. But, you know, I think 
they probably value him somewhere around there. So I, I think, you know, a second round pick would have been tough to, to trade him. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. At 30, the way the way he's, his availability lately. But I think the one thing you can pragmatically view is this. The Packers have, have twice come at you to try to trade for him. If you go through this season, you do get that's another year from Mark Davis, and you kind of get his blessing to, to to take your view of the team. You can probably still trade him this offseason before the draft. And like, can you still get that second round pick? Probably, maybe. Um, you know, so I think you can probably view it as like, we want to play this out and we want to try to finally see what our offense can be like with Waller on the field, with Adams and Renfro. But his trade value will probably still be there in the offseason if you decide you want to make that move and add your draft capital before uh, the 2023 draft. Yeah, it could just be as simple as delaying all our decisions. Like, why decide now what you can decide in the offseason? You don't know what's going to happen as far as, I mean, I mean, even Derek Carr, I think his future's up in the air after the season if things uh, go off the rails even more. So, I mean, uh, a lot of questions. None of them are good. Obviously, the Josh McDaniels is is probably the, the issue that is driving the fan base the craziest. And, you know, he doesn't help himself when he gets up there post game today and says, you know, we, you know, we have to learn how to play a full four quarters. That's become my trigger point with Josh McDaniels is when he talks about we have to, what we have to learn. I'm like, 
this is a veteran freaking team that made the playoffs last year and you went at it like you didn't have a draft pick in the first two rounds you don't have a ton of rookies playing for you the biggest additions to your team are veterans you know you added Devontae Adams you added Chandler Jones like you are not a young team that needs to learn you're the one who's supposed to be teaching them and you're not getting it out of this team so it's like it's become a big trigger point like stop telling me about what this team needs to learn because this team should know what to do like the biggest strength of the 2021 Raiders was that they found ways to win games late you know they won all those late games and close games and we can call that somewhat fluky that's a that's a trend that doesn't tend to continue or whatnot but like this team shouldn't need to learn how to play four quarters like they are a veteran team they know how to play four quarters you need to maybe learn how to coach four quarters. I'll play devil's advocate. I mean, I'm not sure what else I can say. You can't say, I don't like most of the guys I inherited. I, don't, I can't <laughs> say a lot of these guys' defense don't know what the hell we're doing. They should, they should know by now. There's things you can't really say as a first-year head coach, trying to build up you know, some confidence and, and the back and forth between the staff and the players and camaraderie. So I think um, he's been preaching the process. Obviously, the process has hit uh, a little bit of a snag right now, but I think he has to keep the message going forward at least a little while until they can, you know, I don't think it's about pointing fingers, but I don't know, I don't know what else you can say. I think you, you just got to say we're, we're trying, we'll, we'll keep working, and, and that's usually, you know, what I mean, it's not good. It's not, it's not, um, it's not a good situation for, for anybody. Regardless of what he says, I, I think there's, there's really no ducking to blame, you know, for this this year. I mean, I don't, I don't really buy the whole, you know, blaming the previous regime for the roster and things of that nature because they took all, took over a team that, you know, whether the close wins or fluky or not, they had enough talent to make the playoffs last year. And you had a shit ton of cap space this year. And you had all your draft picks before you trade them for Devontae Adams. And so all the major moves that were made, this like they had plenty of room to reconstruct this roster pretty much how they wanted to this offseason. They were the ones in charge of all those decisions. It wasn't Mike Mayock. It wasn't John Gruden. And so if they came out of the offseason still having a shitty defense and an offensive line that can't pass protect long enough to throw downfield, that's on them. You know, I'm not saying obviously they weren't going to have a, a roster that didn't have any holes. You know, it's just not really that that practical after one offseason. But I don't think you can really pin any roster issues um, on the previous regime, given the level of flexibility they had and, and, and the moves, the big swings that they took this offseason were really all their calls. I mean, in his last 30 games as a head coach, Josh McDaniels, we know he started his career in Denver 6-0. and He's won seven of his last 30 games. He's 7-23 and as a head coach since that 6-0 and start with the Broncos. Um, maybe he'll, he'll have some big turnaround and prove everybody wrong. But, I mean, eight games into his Raiders tenure, I'll just say it. He looks like a guy who's an offensive coordinator, a really good offensive coordinator. But the evidence that he can lead a team is, is not mounting right now. Yeah, but they might just have to wait and see if he can figure it out. Because, like I said, I don't really think they're in a position where they can just fire everybody and start over again. I, I just don't. For one, I don't really know if they have the liquid assets to do something like that, even if they wanted to. And so it's just most likely he's going to at least get the second season. Like it's just it seems such a drastic move and an unlikely move for them to do anything off this one year. Somebody's head's going to roll. Like I don't think they're going to run it all back next year, whether that's a personnel or assistants or coordinators or things like that. There will be change in response to this, but I just don't think it's going to be a a franchise-wide regime change, as I'm sure many fans, based on our comment section, want to happen after this one. There's always a scapegoat in these kind of seasons. There always is. So there will be again this year. Firing a head coach after one year is, is a very drastic move. And, you know, if you do that, it's you're admitting failure on your part. You're 
you know, you're losing money. I mean, it, firing a, a coach after one year is like Urban Meyer type of, uh, you got to be like an Urban Meyer type of disaster. I don't think it's heading towards that direction. As angry as the fans are, McDaniels is getting another year, and it's probably going to be the right decision unless things are getting really, really terrible and they're getting blown out at the end of the year. But, I mean, I, it's just really hard for me to see McDaniels being the ones who, who takes the fall next year. If things continue to go the, the way they do, it's probably going to be Derek Carr. Um, but if Carr, you know, if, if Carr plays bad and they continue playing bad, they're going to have a top five pick. But if he turns it around and they start playing well, he, he you know he starts getting into sync with this offense. You know, maybe they end up with the mid round, first round draft pick, and um, he he ends up staying. Yeah, this seems like the, the inflection point is because that's I mean most franchises that's you kind of go. Your expectations are dictated on, on the quarterback position, right? You know, kind of regardless of the rest of the roster. And they structured Derek Carr's contract for a reason to have flexibility after this season, just in case shit goes off the rails. It, it appears to be going off the rails. And so, whether they have a top pick or not, I think that's going to be a discussion because, you know, theoretically, what could you trade him for? You know, if, if it's a first round pick or some other high, high value uh, assets that you could go get for him. You know, anytime you make a quarterback change, it kind of buys you some extra runway typically it's like you know especially if it's a if it's a rookie quarterback you know at least two years three years i guess i need some time to help this guy develop and all that and so especially if they are the regime you know speaking to them if if they have any concern about their security that that is one way to kind of buy yourself some extra security and and some leeway um to kind of figure things out and so that that quarterback position is is probably where we're going to see a shakeup if things continue to be what they are I'll give you guys who who's going to be the uh, the fall guy. Uh, Vic, it's going to be your guy Ken Herrick. <laughs> he was there today. The rig leader, the rig leader of the search. I saw Ken. You're going to blame Ken for the whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> he I'm he a... would not he would not be involved in the Raiders' next search for a head coach. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know it's early for scapegoating people. I think we'll see. They got what well, three games coming up. They got the Colts, and they're at Denver and at Seattle. So. I don't know what's the realistic goal for those three games, but um, yeah, I'm good. curious to see. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious to see at least some improvement. I'm just from the players and from the staff also. I didn't we kind of don't talk much about Patrick Graham, but um I'm not really sure what, what he's doing. I mean, um the pass rusher game today was invisible and they also dropped uh, Max Crosby and trying to jump the coverage a lot, which I don't really understand. You don't like that? You, I don't like that. If you can't rush the quarterback, I don't need my two defensive ends dropping back in coverage. I guess the reason was they were worried about the quick hitting plays to Kirk and but I mean that's not that's not their job, man. I'm not paying Max Crosby or Chandler Jones a bazillion dollars to freaking get in Christian Kirk's way in a five yard pass. I mean I don't know, man. I just um and then the blitzing. I mean blitzing's not getting there. And today you had Mary on Kirk, and that's not a good matchup for a touchdown. And just um I get it. All these guys are not the guys that he would have picked, but they're his guys. So. Uh, we need I need better better strategy better or something because uh, um, he's not showing me much either. So I know the players will get all the blame and I don't know. Patrick Gambit has not shown me much so far. Yeah, a lot of people are asking. You know, who's is it? Does it? Did he just not have the talent or is it coaching? Well, it looks like this. The answer is both. Like there is no <laughs> pick one. Like it, like it's always both when you have these sorts of breakdowns and these sorts of blown leads and, and these consistent trends week after week after week. Um, so you really can't single out, you know, either side of the equation. Um, they, they need better players, obviously, but they also need the coaching to be much better than it's been. And that's part of the other issue in terms of people that want Josh McDaniels fired. Like right now, 
I don't think there's anybody on this staff you could promote to interim head coach, right? Yeah, there's no way they're firing him right now. Fans can just give I mean, that's what, that's what fans are saying. They gotta wake up and smell the coffee. It's like Josh is not going anywhere right now. He's got he's got the rest of the year, at least. I mean probably longer. I mean, we're being kind of doomsayers now, but uh unless they only win three or four games, or I don't mean I don't know if it's five the number, but there's a number there which I guess he would be in trouble, but that's not the plan. The plan is he'll be back next year, he'll get more of his players and they can teach the system the right way, yada yada yada. So Bear fans hoping that there's some big news this week about a new coach. That's not that's not happening. So um, sorry about that. All right. Well, that'll wrap up our post-game edition here of State of the Nation. We will be back later in the week to get you fired up for the epic battle between the Raiders and the Colts. Um, two of the most, I mean, let's just frankly call it, two of the most disappointing teams across the NFL this season. What's the Colts record now? They're three and six and one? No, no. Three and five and one? Three, five and one, I think. Yeah, it's like I said, they're dead. like last week. It's like a reverse playoffs. We like every week we go a game, and the loser goes worse and worse. Like you're kind of it's like a bracket to like the fucking oh sorry the bottom of the of the league. And so like the Saints and Jags are not good. So losing those teams is not. Um, I don't care if it's a close game or one score games. That doesn't matter. I mean, these teams are not good teams. So um, and the Colts are also not good. So. Yeah, we're past the point of saying, you know, the schedule is soft or this team. We can't say that about anybody anymore. Like every week you they they can lose. Every the single Raiders week. are the soft so, like, schedule. There is Yeah, yeah. So there's no more there's no more of that shit. Like they, they are they they're exactly what their record is. I know for a while everyone was kind of trying to paint the Raiders as being better than their record. Like, nope, that's that's done. What did we say? They're the best one four team in the history of the league? Yeah, yeah. nah. Yeah. Nah. nah. They, nah. They, they're just two and six. We owe, we owe a lot of one and four teams an apology. All one and four teams history, we owe them an apology. I apologize to diminish your guys' greatness because I was the Raiders were not the best one and four team in the history of the NFL. I apologize for that. Are there any more teams that have lost 17-0 leads than they have? I, I can't imagine there's any more teams. that In NFL history, there are three teams that have done the same thing where they've lost, blown three 17-point leads in a season. It, it is the uh, the 2020 L.A. Chargers, which got Anthony Lynn fired, and I think it was the 2003 Atlanta Falcons, which got uh, Dan Reeves fired. So if Josh McDaniels is back as coach in 2023, he would be the first coach in NFL history to blow three leads of 17 or points more, 17 points or more, and still keep his job. Yeah, it might make some history, man. On that don't, note, don't do it that's again. the kind of history you want to make, it's right? It's still early. They might don't break do the it record. Again, Josh. That's my advice. Don't do it again, Josh. That's my advice. Three's enough. <laughs> All right. We are sorry, Raider fans. Uh, it's probably it, it's not a not a fun time for you guys. But uh, thank we'll, you to uh, the four people that listen we'll, to we'll, this pod. If there are still four people listening by this point in the pod, I guarantee you, there's more than four. Man, Raider fans are some sick bastards. Man, they've gone through some shit over the years, and they come back for more every year. They get fired up. They go and get crushed. They pick themselves up, and they come back for more. God bless Raider fans, man. I guarantee you. They are impressive, man. We love you. Yeah, Jesus. I feel bad for him. I really do. We we love you. Stay strong this week. And, um, hey, the Colts are bad. I I don't know what that means. That that, that doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Don't get your hopes up. Just just stay where you are right now and just let it surprise you. The unique Ngakwe revenge game. And uh, we we will get you ready for that one when we talk to you later this week. Our next podcast, the Ngakwe revenge game. Coming up. All right. Adios, amigos.